WNMP, Holly Fargo-Moorhead. Fargo-Moorhead and the Valley. This is Colin from Cannot Justify. You're rocking Attitude Era Live with Icon, Granny Hawkster, and Big Swing. here with me, my co-host, my partners. We have Granny, as always. Hello, how are you? I'm well, Icon, ready for another awesome show on 89.1 Ken's FM tonight. And Nightmare, how are you? Well, life doesn't seem to leave me alone, and I'll talk about that later, but I'm ready to do another uh, show on 89.1 Ken's FM. Well, we'll catch everybody up on that here in just a little bit, but do you guys know what today is? Our second year of being on 89.1 Kins FM. That is right. This is our second year anniversary. We actually started on August 9th of 2021. <clears throat> and, it well, I guess we can call this darn near a year, but it's, it's pretty close enough. So uh, we're going to call this our second year anniversary. And uh, as a matter of fact, guys, I don't know if you guys were aware of this, uh, what show number this is, because we've been doing this uh, a long, long time. And uh, since we switched the name to Attitude Era Live, this is episode number 328 since we started doing this uh, with this name. And prior to that, of course, it was known as Off the Ropes, and the reason why we had to change that was because there was another uh, another entity that was using that name, so we could no longer use that. And we decided to branch out and change to Attitude Era Monday, live Monday here on 89.1 Ken's FM. But enough of us, let's talk more about what everybody's been up to. So, Granny, what have you been up to the last week or so? Well, we had an amazing show Saturday night in Pryor, Oklahoma, for Wrestling for a Cause, Extrava Slams of Two. And let me tell you guys, last year was huge. I mean, we had around 500 people at that first event. This year, we met the capacity of the building. They had 725 people in attendance, and they've already made the announcement for Extravis Lanza 3 for 2024 on August 3rd of next year. We are having to move to a bigger venue. Now, this organization that we help is called Oklahoma Freedom Flight, and what they do They do freedom flight tours for veterans. They fly them to, like, Washington, D.C. You know, they they pay for their trip. They pay for their flight. They do a lot to help veterans, and which I think is absolutely amazing. And Granny was approached Saturday night by one of the big sponsors, Big Electric, Marty Ward. He actually came to me, and he says, Grant, before the show started, he says, Granny, he says, you are actually just as big as some of these 
big time names we have here tonight and we're going to make sure you have a table next year. We're going to try to get you some merchandise. You can sell your merchandise, help us sell our merchandise. We want you involved in this, and we are going to make this happen. So I have no clue, guys, what I'm going to be doing next year to help this organization with Wrestling for a Cause. I, I, I have no clue, but we had we had Teddy Long there. We had Scotty Tuhati. We had Mr. Anderson. And we had JTG in attendance. I mean, it was absolutely an amazing night. It was it was phenomenal. Granny got a little... Um, hmm? Well, I'll tell you what, Granny, what we can do is uh, to help you out. They probably won't sell a whole lot. Well, I'm sure Nightmares will sell more than mine, but... Maybe we can uh, print out some of our. Uh, uh, I can make some uh, of our um, our cards uh, from Attitude Era Monday Live Monday that you can sell at your booth. Uh, autographs of myself. Well, like and I said, I have no. I, I said I have no clue what I'm going to be doing. But you know, while I was there, before the show started, I got a phone call and I had missed it, so I listened because I didn't recognize the number. So they left me a voicemail, and it was actually the nurse of the assisted living facility where my mom lives at, up in Kansas. She yep. had to be taken to the hospital Saturday. She's okay. They're running some more tests. They thought at first she might have had a stroke or a mini stroke because she was really confused. She she couldn't even hold on to a glass of water. And she's got a little bit of an infection going on, and um, she was a little dehydrated, so they got her on antibiotics and got her on IV fluids. I talked to her today, and I was planning on going up anyways to see her in a couple days this week. So, um, but so far, you know, she she's doing okay, but, you know, she's going to be 82 this month. And, you know, she's starting to worry that her memory is going and, you know, so it's kind of sad, but, you know, um, so just, you know, prayers for my mom, prayers for me and David when we go up to see her this weekend. But, um, but no, Saturday was an amazing night at, at WSC. It was really huge, so. Well, we'll definitely be praying for you. No, uh, no doubt about that. Nightmare, what's up with you, buddy? Uh, well, I mean... I mean, at least good news, I avoided cancer this weekend, uh, almost, but almost didn't, but I did. Um, I guess life decides to not only take out my knee, but I took out my eye. Um, I have a corneal ulcer in the back of my eye, which has caused uh, more severe scarring down the center of my cornea. So basically what happens is I've got six massive scars right in the center of my eye, which has caused um, my vision to go very blurry, very foggy. Uh, basically, I was blind in my left eye all weekend, and um, the vision has started to come back. Um, almost, uh, I'd say about 75% of it is back uh, due to the drops and basically keep my eye closed all weekend uh, so the drops and drugs can take effect. But it has come back. Uh, the corneal ulcer is still there and the scarring is still there, but my vision is starting to come back, so that's good news. Um, and then on word of my knee, uh, I should have started uh, my physical therapy today. Unfortunately, that was not the case, so hopefully tomorrow I'll be able to start it. 
Otherwise, I'm looking at uh, some big-time knee surgery uh, coming up if these um, – if the symptoms persist, basically what they're going to do is they're going to drill a hole in my femur and insert a cadaver to keep my kneecap in place. And then basically if that happens, I think my wrestling career will be coming to an end because if I re-injure that because my kneecap's already stuck in place as is and it's way off to the side, and if my muscles can't tighten up to put it back in place, and if the surgery happens, I think that's either going to really dampen or possibly end, um, unfortunately, end my wrestling career. But... We'll see how the we'll see what the future holds in regards to the knee. Um, the eye's coming back, so no worries on that. But it's just the knee that I'm really uh, starting to worry about personally. Well, you know, and I know I may sound selfish when I say this and ask this, but that's not going to keep you off the show, is it? Um, I don't. I mean, if I when I get if I do the surgery, I'll be out for a while because if I can't if I can't go up and down stairs with the cast or with certain instruction, then it will keep me off. I mean, unless I can call in. Um, but I guess we'll see what the future holds. If I don't do surgery, then we're good. If I do and I can't go up and down stairs for a while, then I guess that'll just have to be the way it is. But we'll, we'll see what the future holds, but we'll see. Well we, well, we hope not, but here's the deal. If it does come to the point where you do have to take some time off, we will fully understand that Granny and I will will handle it, and we might have to have uh, Big Spring come back and play his, uh, you know, his nice recordings that, you know, he likes to play when he's listening in, as you know. Mm-hmm. However, the thing is, if if it has, if you have to take some time off, well, I understand, like I say, but at least we'll have you call in so you can give us updates so you'll still be part of the show. Unlike uh, Eric Bishop, you're not going to get fired by us from FedEx. Yeah, yeah, I mean, me and Eric Bischoff, we've got some unfinished business, so, I mean, if I've got to take a chance to, you know, beat that old man into oblivion again, I'll do it. Um, I still have some um, some revenge to take on him after the uh, wonderful match uh, back in August, I think, of last year, two years ago or something, when I faced Mason Mayhem. Uh, we'll talk about that later. But, yeah, I've got some stuff to happen happen with him. And then my goal is to, again, win the APW World Heavyweight Championship before my career ends. But if it has been due to knee injury and if I have to get surgery and I call it quits then, then I guess we'll see what happens. Well, there's actually one other guy besides Bishop I'd like you to take out. That would be Tony Schiavone. Tony Schiavone. Okay. Well, I mean, like I said, let's, let's, set, up, uh, let's set up something and I can uh, whip out the thumbtacks. And uh, if I uh, at the end of the show, I can't play it on the air because they did cut a uh, not so great uh, language promo on me. But I will play that for you at the end of the show here, so you can listen to it, so you can hear the promo that they did cut on me. Okay. And uh, it wasn't exactly very nice. However, uh, I'll have you listen to it, then you can tell me what you think. But anyway. I think our first guest is on the uh, air here, so what we are going to do is take a quick little commercial break, and we will be back after these messages with our first sponsor, and we'll be back with our first guest, so stick with us right after this. The new Woodspring Suites of Fargo, located at 1090 35th Street North at the I-29 and 12th Avenue North Interchange. It's an extended stay, pet-friendly hotel with kitchenettes in every room, including a stovetop, full-size fridge, and microwave, plus a big 40-inch flat-screen TV with free Wi-Fi. You can book a room at 701-582-1600 
or online at www.woodspring.com. Woodspring Streets of Fargo, rated 4.2 by Trust Score. Ladies and gentlemen, stepping out of the green room and walking down the aisle, this man will tell you everything there is to know about grilling a hamburger. As a matter of fact, he is Mr. Burger himself. He is Michael Dipper. Hey, this is the Burger Chef, Mike. You're listening to the Attitude Air Monday Live Monday on 89.1 Ken's FM with your host, the icon, the godmother of wrestling, Granny Holster, the Big Swing, and the modern nightmare, Matthias. Well, how are you, Michael? How are you, Michael? Should we call you Mr. Chef, or how would you like to be referred to as? I used to call me the Burger Chef. All right. And now, will you be willing to give some of us some great barbecue tips for those Fourth of July leftovers? May I tell you what? One thing that when you are doing barbecue, you're doing brisket, let that meat stay in that smoker. Have patience. Don't be opening the smoker and checking on it because it's going to take 12, sometimes 14 hours. Leave the door closed. And also, when you're grilling burgers, don't sit there and smash the heck out of it. Get that patty going. Sear it for about maybe four minutes. Then you can flip it. Sear it for maybe about four or five more minutes. Don't sit there with your spatula and smash it, smash it, smash it. In the kitchen, that gets me more riled up than anything when I see a cook over smashing the juices out of that burger. Well, you know, I guess then you'd probably never want to cook with me because I, I actually cheat. What I'll do is I'll put it in the microwave, and then I'll go put it out in the grill and then say, hey, this is how I do it, you know. <laughs> oh, my um, God. Yeah. yeah, we couldn't be in the kitchen together. <laughs> uh, we, have the, uh, we have the Burger Shepherds, our guest here. We have Michael Damper, and we have, uh, well, we have about 30 minutes with our man here. So here's what we're going to do, Michael. I'm going to ask you a few questions, and then we'll do a roundtable, and we'll come back to me, and I'll ask you the tougher questions. Uh, we have Granny with us. We have uh, the owner of the station, the greatest uh, engineer that ever lived. His name is Ken, and we have the Modern Nightmare. But first off, I want to ask you, to get this title and to win all these different awards that you've had, what got you started Grilling? Did you just like were you like eight years old and you like said I'm going to go out and make myself some lunch? How did this all start for you? Well, it actually was completely opposite. My mother cooked in kitchens. Ended up when she finally uh, retired, thirty years, and I would see her going in at four in the morning, getting off at two in the afternoon, be worn out, tired, and I'm like. I'm never going to work that hard in my life. So I worked in construction. I worked in factories. I worked in plywood mills. I actually did hard manual labor. But usually if these companies I worked for, we'd have a get-together or time to reward the employees. I'd be the one on the grill cooking up burgers, wow. cooking up steaks or, or whatever. And just watching my mom cook, my grandmother cook and everything, you'll pick up tips here and there and and – it led to eventually, before food trucks down here in Arkansas got very popular, I got a food truck and doing barbecue and just trying it out and doing big company events like that. And I still was staying away from restaurants. And 
there was a local establishment that I would hang out at, and their doorman went sick. And they asked me to fill in because I'm big, ugly-looking guy and keep everybody away <laughs> from coming in. <laughs> so uh, that led to the owner a few months later going, hey, Mike, we're having a lot of trouble in the kitchen. Do you mind kind of helping us a day or two in the kitchen? I'm like, yeah, sure. And I said, I've never worked fast food. I never worked in real kitchens. He said, that's okay. And started kind of helping them out, make some improvements. And then he said, would you like to work a little bit more in the kitchen? And then about a month later, he's like, would you like the kitchen? I'm like, what do you mean? He said, do you want to be my manager? I said, well, I mean, I've got 20 years management as far as manufacturing. I've never managed a kitchen. I said, I'm pretty sure it's managing people and managing processes. So why not? What the heck? And that's awesome. went from there. He was like, don't mess anything up. This place is called was called the Ohio Club. They've been open for 100 years, oldest bar in Arkansas, but they'd never been known for food. He had just had a record year in food sales, and in real numbers, it really wasn't that much, about 300000 in food sales. He said, you're not going to get a bigger kitchen, a little bitty 12 or 14 kitchen. He said, it's just burgers, sandwiches, don't mess it up. So That's awesome. We get through, started winning some awards, getting recognized for food. He come up to me almost a year later. Get outside. You've really messed everything up. I'm like, excuse me. And he's about five six, five seven. I'm six two, so I'm looking down at him like, excuse me. He said, you messed <laughs> everything up. How did you get six hundred eighty thousand in food sales out of that kitchen that only had three hundred thousand last year? I said, well, buckle up your seatbelts because next year's going to be even better. And it just took <laughs> off from there. We, it was just getting instead of them having. 30, 40, 50-minute waits. We was getting the wait times down, getting better quality food and and just a lot of marketing on social media. And I was on a state news show for doing a cooking segment. I didn't go to a culinary school. I did have some training down in New Orleans, but not enough to be called chef. And the news lady, she was like, all right, chef this, hey, chef that. I'm like, hey, just just call me Mike. This is before he went on the air. So I'm sitting there grilling burgers. She's talking. She's like, hey, we're going to go to, and we're live on TV. She's like, um, he doesn't want me to call him chef. And I just kind of looked at the camera like, oh, come on, lady, we're live TV. And I look at her and said, what do you want me to call you? I said, well, you know what? I'm grilling burgers. I do burgers at the Ohio Club. Call me the burger chef. And you fast forward and from stuck. 2000, it stuck. You fast forward from 2015 to uh, <laughs> January of, well, till now, it would be about 100 Best Food Awards, 26 Best Burger Awards, been recognized by the Arkansas Food Hall of Fame 19 times. Um, so, yeah, you kind of, my license plate says Burger Chef. Everything about me says Burger Chef, so. The Burger Chef is a guest here on 89.1 Ken's FM. We've got uh, 25 minutes. Uh, we're going to go ahead and do that roundtable, then we'll come back to me. But uh, we have uh, our first co-host. I think you might know. She is from your neck of the woods. Granny, what do you got? Go ahead. Well, you know, Icod, this man is no stranger to Granny Holster. 
The Burger Chef and I are personal friends. We have known each other for close to 12 years. And, yes, I can vouch for his burgers. He knows what he's doing when it comes to grilling. This man is absolutely amazing. I mean, when I, whenever we used to have our conventions in Hot Springs for the Moose Lodge, and I've been at the Ohio Club, I know how good this man can cook. I've had his burgers. I've had his food. So, Michael, it is Burger Chef. It is just absolutely awesome having you on our show tonight. I mean, this is this is just a real treat for Granny to have you here with us. Thank you. Remind me to send you a check for that great endorsement you just did. <laughs> well, I t- no, I meant I meant every word of that. I meant every word of that. But you know what? I, t- don't, I am gran- not granny, gonna hmm. Granny, don't you have a don't you have a burger chef with you? They're at your house? I do. I, 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 I do, I do. You gave me when you came up to the for the Comic Con this year, you brought me your little Burger Chef. Uh, was it Slam the Slam Buddy? Yeah, the Slam Buddy. Yep, yep. I yep. Ha- I have a I have a Burger Chef Slam Buddy that he personally gave me. So you know, <laughs> I do. You know, it's funny when he when he said Granny, aren't you? I thought he was going to say, "Don't you have a curfew at the nursing home?" But he's not a wrestler. <laughs> uh, we have the Burger Wait, Chef he, as our guest here. Hey, uh, hey! You know what, Icon? I'm not going to ask him any questions about his cooking because I know about his cooking. But this right. man, in case you do not know, this man is just as much of a wrestling fan as Granny Holster is. I mean, well, he's we'll, a huge... Then come back to that. We'll okay. come back to that. Because okay. I have, okay. uh, we have our, uh, we have our man here. I believe I have you on the right mic, don't I, Ken? Uh, I think I'm here. All right. Uh, now, uh... Uh, Ken, I want to introduce you to Burger Chef. Now, you and I together, uh, 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 about, what was it, about a month ago or so, you and I were uh, cooking uh, bratwurst and uh, some other, well, basically bratwurst and soda. But uh, now, I know that you're the Burger Chef, Mike, but can you give me and Ken some tips on cooking bratwurst so we can get more people to come buy our food? Well, it's it's well, kind of uh, interesting. Yeah, the way we did this was uh, I am completely new to grilling, and uh, we were fortunate to have a neighbor that had uh, a really nice uh, a ceramic top, uh, you know, flat top grill. I think it was Blackstone, wasn't it? <laughs> I don't remember what the name of it was. It's a gas grill, but um, uh, had four burners. But uh, he made it look like it was like simple. And uh, Icon and I were the first ones uh, when we first opened up to start grilling. And I had no experience doing that. And so it was like, what do they call that, the school of hard knocks, (laughs) (laughs) trying to learn how to grill. Um, To me, it didn't seem to be that tough. But what did we do wrong? Uh, Here's what happened. yeah, exploded. Well, you know, the, one of the first two that we did um, were the the outside was completely uh, uh, cooked. It was uh, uh, browned and everything nicely. But uh, when we gave it to the guy, uh, he cut it open, and uh, it was still raw inside. We had uh, pulled them out of the uh, refrigerator freezer the night before 
and just left them in the regular freezer, maybe that was not enough time because what uh, Icon and I finally did was uh, we had to boil them for a little bit. Right. And uh, that was an old family recipe that Icon had, and that seemed to work. What did we do wrong? Because the the guy that our neighbor, uh, Jeff, incredible, he's also a very good griller, uh, he uh, was able to turn them out uh, perfectly, and none of them were undercooked, none of them exploded. Uh, you know, what happened? What uh, uh, Is there some trick there that we missed? Michael, can you save us? Yes. <laughs> okay, as long as the icon did not put them in the microwave. No, we didn't put them in the microwave. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes, you know, you can set them out and they not be completely thawed, still frozen, and then you throw them on a hot fire and the outside is just getting torched. It's, like you said, splitting, busting open. You're thinking, oh, my God, they're overcooked. Then you cut yep. into them or bite into them, they're still frozen. You don't always have to have them on the hottest part of the grill. You can get it up, you know, three, 400 degrees. You can set them off. To, usually my brats or sausages, if I've got them on a grill instead of the smoker, I usually kind of put them off to the side of the fire and just let them kind of slow, setting their heat up. And then when I – you can tell by either with the – the tongs or with a fork that they're getting tender and getting cooked through, then you can put over and get some grill marks or get them a little scorched. You know, there's some folks that like their hot dogs or their brats or whatever, a little, little burnt on the outside. But you, if your fire's too hot, I usually set mine out, the thaw out in the refrigerator for about a day or so, and then I'll put them on the counter for a couple of hours before I'm going to cook them. And get a little room temperature. I do that with my steaks as well. Get room temperature before I throw them on the grill. So they're better off always, being wrapped. Always watch that. Watch that. Watch that fire. Say that again. I, I would say it's better to uh, uh, try to grill them when they're room temperature. Yes. Yes. Most definitely. And and with some broths, depending on what you like, a lot of guys will have a little cast iron pot to put on the grill with. You can put some uh, dark ale beer in it and boil your brats in that beer and get a good flavor on them, and then kind of you get them on the grill and heat them up some more. But brats boil these your beer is real good. These were supposed to be uh, uh, already beer, beer brats, uh, already apparently soaked in beer, and uh, that's the way we bought them from uh, the vendor. And, uh, you know, they did taste really, really good uh, once we got them cooked to, uh, you know, where we could sell them. But uh, I was just wondering, you know, if there's some kind of a formula there. And apparently that's it. We had part of it right uh, to take them out yeah. the day before and put them uh, in the, in, get them out of the deep freeze and put them in the fridge. But then a couple hours or so, I guess, before you actually grill them, Get them, get them out in room temperature. Yeah, I can do that. And then just don't rush. Some folks, they'll get their grill too hot, and they'll kind of rush things and thinking the food. You know, my grandfather, I loved him to death, but when he would grill food, I mean, they would burgers would shrink to meatballs. Uh, you'd have chicken that'd be burnt on the outside and wouldn't be cooked all the way through on the inside because he gets in a hurry. The flames get high. He's, yeah. 
people get panicking a little bit. Just take your time and kind of move move around on the grill, find your hot spots, your cool spots, because even if you put it over to the side where there's not a flame, it's still cooking. Yeah, because the, the, the heat will go across the grill. And, exactly. Uh, we'll have to remember that, too. Yeah, um, that, that, that's good advice because that's something that we didn't really do. Um, you know, obviously we didn't realize that they were still frozen on the inside, and that was our biggest problem. And uh, we did a temporary solution by uh, uh, boiling them for a few minutes uh, to get them thawed out. That's basically what we did, right? Exactly. And uh, I, I admit I did steal my grandmother's idea, but I think, uh, Ken, I think for the next one, I think we'll use Michael's idea, and, you know, we'll see what happens, uh, you know. Uh, yeah, we'll definitely, uh, you know, we'll take them out a day before, and then uh, a few hours before uh, grill time, uh, we'll get them, try to just let them sit in, in, in room temperature, and hopefully that'll thaw them out the rest of the way, and then we won't have this problem again that we had this year. Uh, the Burger Chef is our guest here on 89.1 Ken's FM. we got about 16 minutes here left. And for those of you who listen to our show on a regular basis, if you go to our Facebook page, Attitude Era Monday, Live Monday, like that, you go to Ken's FM page like that, do a $10 a month donation, follow the tower, we'll get you automatically qualified to win our graphics from past guests, current guests, and future guests. And, uh, Michael, I believe you are going to send us a few uh, autographs, maybe some uh, burger patties or something. Mm-hmm. I sent you. I sent you a package. It's got some pictures, some stickers, and a few other things in there. Awesome. Now, one thing I do want to introduce you to. Uh, he is the modern nightmare, and uh, now uh, he. I don't think he's ever had a hamburger on a pole match yet, but I'm sure that's coming. Uh, nightmare, what do you got for our guest, the Burger Chef? Go ahead. Well, yes, you are talking to the man from every woman's greatest dream and every man's worst nightmare, North Dakota's number one heel, current reigning, defending, undisputed NSE World Tag Team Champion, and soon again to be APW World Heavyweight Champion, BZW and EWY Epic Champion, and soon also be BZW World Tag Team Champion. As we paid for by the New World Order. An honor, an honorary member of the New World Order, Matthias. Welcome on to my part of the program. Uh, my main question to you, sir, would be: When you were managing your kitchen, have you did you ever see yourself getting to the point of like a Gordon Ramsay, where you were extremely tough, or you were extremely bitter, or to the point where you were screaming uh, extreme obscenities at people, calling themselves donuts or idiot sandwiches and stuff like that, or were you? Uh, pretty calm under fire when it came to cooking in your kitchen. Well, no, because I've never been in this kitchen. Well, after your introduction, I think we only have a minute or two left in my time, but that's okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yes, I have uh, I've had some moments in my kitchen where it gets pretty heated and hot. I try not to disrespect anybody. But they know who's definitely in charge when it gets to that moment. I have had moments where I've slammed my fist down and end up fracturing a bone in my hand, but I still kept working. But, yeah, you have those moments because you've got servers coming in. They forgot something or that they messed up the order or they're just, you know, acting like servers. And you've got the cooks 
You've got somebody that might have been with you for 10 years. You've got somebody that might be just hired in 10 minutes ago and making mistakes. One of the funniest stories I've got, and this guy works in another kitchen now, um, he was fairly new, and we were extremely – it was a Saturday slam-packed rush, and I'm over on sandwich side. And my other two guys, we've been together for eight years, so you really didn't have to speak out loud. We knew each other's movements. and But everybody else, I'd stress, stay behind, walking, uh, sharp behind, stuff like that. And I'm coming over with a Reuben sandwich, and this kid cuts in behind me and knocks it out of my off my spatula. And he froze. I just turned around. He picked the sandwich up. The kitchen got completely quiet. Music wasn't playing. Nobody talked. I made another Reuben. We got through the rush. And he came over. He said, Chef. I said, no, 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 no. It's fine. It's, it's okay. It's not your fault. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you so much, Chef. I said, it's my fault for hiring your butt. <laughs> so, yeah, you have those moments where you want to reach across the line and strangle the server, or you've got a fry cook you like to slap up back of the head, kind of like Gibbs on NCIS. But, yeah, you have those moments. Ramsey might be a little bit over-exaggerated at times, but there are moments like that because it gets pretty intense. Understood. Uh, uh, Michael Dampers, I guess you're the burger chef, and we have, uh, well, we have a good 11 minutes here with our guy here. Now, I'm looking at this one picture of you, and uh, Matthias, you should see uh, this guy, and I'll show you this picture of uh, him after the show, but he actually looks like Goldberg holding a meat cleaver. I would not mess with this guy in the kit. Well, I wouldn't mess with him anyway, but he doesn't seem like the kind of guy that is going to take orders from anybody else. He seems like the kind of guy that would give orders. Is that correct, uh, Michael? Well, in 49 years, almost well, about 27 of those I've been in management. But outside of cooking, I've got three Tough Man championships. I won Arkansas Budweiser Tough Man in 1995. Bill Street beat down Tough Man 1996. I won Bossier City Tough Man in 2010. I got the jackets to prove it, and not too many people have those jackets to say Tough Man Champion on the back. So, yeah, you kind of let your new hires know that when they hire in that, oh, he's a three-time Tough Man. You don't want to mess with him. Plus, I'm 6'2", I'm bald, I'm ugly. Uh, <laughs> they, don't really say, they don't really say a whole lot back to me. Well, you know, I'll tell you what, Michael, and don't take this wrong. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say you're ugly. At least I wouldn't say that to your face, anyway. <laughs> Especially if you're holding a meat cleaver. But anyway. now I got to ask you now. You uh, now this is probably uh, self-explanatory or whatever the phrase is. Now I'm sure you've had you worked in the kitchen. You've had some kind of young stud come off of there just out of college or whatever that thinks he knows everything there is to know. How often does that happen to you? To how how quick do you smarten them up to what you're doing? That does happen. They'll hire in. They'll have a 10-page resume, and I'll go ahead and just give them the benefit of the doubt, get them in there. My other guys are already – I had two guys that were with me for a long time, and they had already seen the red flags. I'd be like, just – man, he's he's been doing this longer than we have, guys. Just let him do his thing. And then you'd send him for the chicken glue or you'd send him to go mop the, the walk-in and, and stuff like that. And he'd go do it or go look for it. And you'd realize that 
in those 10-page resume, he didn't stay at too many places too very long, but you'd have those guys that would come in and they would demand to be called chef and uh, or feel entitled or they'd stand back and watch everybody else work because, you know, they, they were too experienced to have to clean or anything. Just they kind of they kind of wait out themselves the process. And I've had some guys that stay a little bit longer. I have some that don't last very long. There's different styles. I mean, the type of kitchens I ran are fast paced. It's getting burgers and sandwiches out. The barbecue's already been cooked all night, so it's quick, fast pace. I mean, you're running through 5,000 in sales just, you know, in a few hours. So it's a lot of food going out every 12 minutes. So it, it kind of, you can see through the, the ones that are kind of faking it a little bit. We're a little too arrogant. Well, you know, Michael, I hope you'll understand this reference. I hope you've seen the movie. So a guy that comes in with a 10-page resume, have you ever been like uh, James Gammons in uh, Major League when uh, Roger Dorn brings his uh, contract and says, uh, hey, I don't need to do anything that's not on my list. Uh, have you ever done that? I have had guys do that, and – some guys, like I said, I'll let them sit back and kind of everybody will it'll show their side real quick. But when guys walk in and see me down on, my, down on the floor scrubbing tile or up underneath the grills getting dirty and cleaning, usually you don't have to speak. They all jump in and go, you know what, if the boss is down here, he's got a food hall of fame flag hanging on the wall, and he's down here on the ground scrubbing, we better get our butts down there. I've had some people kind of stand back, and they won't be in the kitchen next week or two because they just think they're entitled. Nobody's entitled to – nobody's better than anybody. I don't care how many certificates, degrees, or awards you have to get a kitchen to run properly. You've got to clean. You've got to communicate. You've got to do it all from getting the dirt underneath the grills to ordering food or whatever. It's all part of it. Uh, now, Ken, I know that you uh, you heard what he said about getting down and cleaning everything. Yeah. Don't get any ideas. <laughs> well, I'm going to make you that. Um, the uh, the thing that uh, uh, that has struck me over and over and over again is, uh, and you might be able to explain this a little bit, Michael, is uh, the fact that uh, uh, when uh, when you're cooking a burger, uh, how much difference does it make the type of hamburger the freshness of it or whatever uh, to the taste because I've had burgers at some of the sleaziest bars in the world but you would not believe the delicious taste and then you ask them well what did you do is there a seasoning that you're putting on and what they'll tell me is no it's just a fresh burger and we put a little pepper on it and that's it um how true is that? And, uh, you know, are there different, like, vendors that uh, can provide ground beef that are better than others? Or, you know, what, what's making the difference here? There's, I mean, I've had some of the best burgers that are the, just basic 80-20 ground beef. And it's all just how you, how you cook it. You don't need to overdo it. A uh, little salt, a little pepper, that's about it. I do have my own beef rub, but it's mainly for brisket and stuff, and I'll sprinkle that on the burgers kind of finishing up. But the ones, to me, that seems to just overdo it, they're, they're blending all kinds of different 
beef together. Now, I do a short rib blend that uh, everybody seems to like, but that's what the surprising thing when people ask, all right, you've won 20-something Best Burger Awards. What is your recipe? And I go, well, you know yeah. what? I've changed, I've changed different meats about five times. I've tweaked the seasoning probably about three or four times. I went from a char grill to a flat top back to a char grill. So That's really deep. it's just the not overdoing it. The char- used. Yep, right. The uh I love a good because on a flat top you can get a good sear on that patty. That's those good little dairy bar uh smash patties or the, the four or five ounce burgers, but some I've had some massive burgers. I don't know if one of my friends is listening, but he used to work for me. He was my prep manager, Don Thomas, and I'd make him a triple burger, a quadruple burger, and I couldn't ever eat anything like that. There's some people, they, they eat the biggest, best burger, and I don't see how they do it, but he was one that could kill just about any burger I made. It, hey, it Michael, all depends on how you cook it and what you're cooking with it. Hey, Michael, have you ever heard the best burger joke ever? What's that? What do you call a cow with no legs? What's that? It's called ground beef. Just need to keep your. Well, other hey. What? Well, yeah, don't don't quit your day job there, Icon. Uh, I, I probably won't. But uh, we have the Burger Chef as our guest here. Uh, we only have, uh, unfortunately, we only have about uh, four minutes here left with. Uh, uh, Michael, so we can do this. I got, I got one quick question to ask him. So, I, this kind of just brought back a memory when you said big burgers. So, um, back when I went to the uh, heart attack grill over in Las Vegas, Nevada, I had a, I went and did half of their challenge. They did a, they could go all the way to what they call the octuple bypass burger, and what it has is uh, eight burger patties. I think about half pound patties. And you can add 40 strips of bacon onto it. Well, I did did the quadruple bypass burger, which was four half-pound patties, and I added 20 pieces of bacon onto it. And then I had a side of flatliner fries, which is basically one big pile of fries with a bunch of chili on top. No wonder why you're a heavyweight. Yeah. uh, Took me roughly around, I'd say, about 20 minutes to eat it, something like that. Wow. What's the biggest burger you've ever served somebody? And have you ever had, like, a food challenge or something you've ever had somebody compete in? I've served a big old quadruple that's four seven-ounce patties with two slices of cheese on each patty, layers of bacon on top of each patty, and send it out. And I'm thinking, all right, I'll go out there in a little bit and see how they're doing. Go out in about 10 minutes, and they're finishing up the fries. I'm like, where's the burger? Oh, I ate it. I had to go back to the security camera to to see them just devour it. But uh, I've I've seen people devour a lot. I'll tell you a quick thing. Over in Memphis, there's a place called Dyer's. They're on Bill Street. They use the same grease for 100-something years. And you could stumble off Bill Street, drunk as could be, go in there at 2 in the morning, get you a triple or quadruple with bacon and sausage, and within an hour, you're completely sober. 
Okay, you guys are making me hungry here. You guys got to stop this. Well, I'll say the biggest piece of the biggest thing I've ever ordered in my life was a six and a half pound sandwich from my favorite uh, sandwich shop in Minot, North Dakota, called Magic City Hoagies. I got their their biggest sandwich with with fries on it and a bunch of dressings, a bunch of toppings, and they sat and watched me eat it. And it was a six and a half pound sandwich, and I ate it within ten minutes. Wow. And they because they were so impressed with it. That's that, is, that was amazing. Hey, guys, we got about uh, 60 seconds here with Michael. Uh, real quick here, Michael, so we can do this here. Uh, if our fans want to check you out, see, do you got a Facebook, an Instagram, YouTube, a Twitter, a Twitch, a TikTok? What do you got? Just look up the Burger Chef Mike Dampier. You'll find me on TikTok, Instagram, uh, Facebook. I've got pages for all that. Um, got my own sauce, my own rubs that I sell off those. So you can find me just the Burger Chef Mike Dampier. And, uh, hey, Ken, maybe we can uh, try and get him down to do one of our barbecues for our uh, our remotes. Well, that would be awesome to have a celebrity like that. Uh, we'd promote the heck out of you there, Michael. I'll tell you what, Michael, we, we, uh, we take care of the hotel and everything. All you got to do is take care of the cooking. Just, just be sure and put the microwave away, Icon. No microwaves. <laughs> No microwave, no George Foreman <laughs> grill either. All right. Well, I tell you what, Michael, thank you so much. You have been awesome. We'll definitely have you on again, and we are definitely going to try and find a way to get you here into our hometown, Fargo, North Dakota here. Hey, I travel a lot doing food contests, so you never know. Thank you all very much. All Thanks, right, bye. Michael Damper, the burger chef, ladies and gentlemen. So I'll tell you what, we're going to take a quick little commercial break. We'll be back with our next guest waiting in the wings, so stick with us. After these little messages. So, if your spring and summer projects include some concrete work, Elevated Concrete can help. They can be reached at 701-866-9018 or at Elevated Concrete on Facebook. Their concrete work includes driveways, sidewalks, walkways, approaches, garage floors, patios, and shed pads. Plus, they offer decorative or stamped concrete as well. And all estimates are free. They are ready right now for any concrete project you have. That's Elevated Concrete at 701-866-9018. And we are back here on 89.1 Ken's FM, and our next guest is waiting the wings as she steps out of the green room right now. And uh, she's got a beef with our producer. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Miss Rain. <laughs> Hi, this is Dark Rain. You're listening to the Attitude Era Monday Live Monday on 89.1. Ken's FM with your host, the icon, the godmother of wrestling, Granny Hulkster, the big swing, and the modern Matthias. How do I say that? <laughs> well, there you go. Hey, yes, so how are you? Should we call you... Should we call you Miss Rain? Should we call you Miss Dark? Uh, should we call you Behind Bars? How should we refer to you? <laughs> well, obviously, I have my other name. My stage name is Dark Rain, and my other name is Amanda Rybars. Um, I prefer, I mean, my friends call me Rain. Everybody else just calls me Dark Rain. <laughs> Can I call you DR? Maybe. Okay, I guess not. <laughs> anyway, so uh, we have a Dark Rain as our guest here on 89.1 Ken's FM. we got about uh, 30 minutes here with uh, Miss Rain. So I'm going to ask a few questions, and then we'll do a roundtable, and then we'll come back to me and we'll ask a tougher question. But first off, let's have you give a little background about yourself first off. Okay, well, first off, I am a model and actress, but I started out as an activist, and that's why I got into everything that I do. Um, 
I never thought I'd be acting or modeling or any of that stuff, but I saw some things that I didn't like going on in the world with people judging each other by their outsides. And I saw somebody treated in a horrible way at a hospital because of her outsides. And she ended up dying with her hand in mine and ended up jarring something in me. And I couldn't just watch the way the world was anymore. And so I tried to speak out, but I wasn't getting responses. And that's when I figured out, well, you got to get seen to get heard. And so I delved into things and uh, started modeling. I started punk modeling um, because I'm just, I'm into the alternative type of um, the style. And uh, I was kind of joking at first when I first put in my picture and I got called back. And next thing you know, that took off. I did punk modeling, horror modeling. Um, but I like to use those things towards activism, meaning I do things in a different way. Um, I will put together funky patterns and things just so that I can, when people ask me why I wear it, I can talk about how I relate it to people. And I say, you know, people are beautiful in and of themselves, but more so when they come together. So it just, I try to gear things towards other things that I believe in. Uh, I like to do things for causes, whether it be modeling, whether it be random acts of kindness. I do lives about those things and even getting into the acting and everything. Um, I do love horror movies. So I, I am in horror movies and horror shows and things like that. But Again, it's mostly because uh, you got to get seen to get heard nowadays. Well, you know, uh, one of our co-hosts is going to talk to you a little bit about uh, your horror film career in a little while. However, so now the name Dark Rain, where does that come from? And how do you now, uh, come up with a spelling? Now, when it came to my name, um, what happened was I was on Facebook just doing my normal modeling thing under Amanda Simmons Rybars. And I was being watched by a television station in New York, and I did not know because I, I had a public profile. They saw um, a horror picture that I had done. And they just started watching me and watching the things I was posting and my modeling, and they asked me to guest on a show. And um, it was supposed to be promotion, but obviously you can tell where that goes. I start talking about why I do what I do. And after that, they gave me my own television show. It was on BronxNet in New York. It was called the Dark Rain Underground Entertainment Show. They gave me that name, and they thought that I was unique, so they wanted to spell it in a very unique way. So they spelled it D-A-R-Q-U-E-R-A-Y-N-E. And so after that, um, I just started using that also for my modeling name, and I've kept it ever since for everything. That's awesome. Dark Rain is our guest here on 89.1 Ken's FM. we got 25 minutes here with Dark Rain. <laughs> I'm going to ask you a few questions in a little while, but first off, I'm going to go to uh, – our first co-host, her name is Granny Hulkster. Now, she loves the ga the gals that uh, can be kind of heelish in the ring, and you, you definitely would fit the bill. So, Granny, what do you got? Go ahead. Well, I don't like the heels icon, and you know that, but that's beside the point. So, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to have you on. What has been one of the most interesting challenges you've had in your modeling career, your acting career, I mean, either way, it could be either one or both, you know, whatever, however you want to answer that question. Well, the biggest challenge when I decided that I wanted to have my voice heard and I wasn't getting noticed or anything, um, I was a size, I was actually a size two extra large, almost a three extra large. And I have had three children. I've got mommy marks. I do not fit the normal ideal of what you would think um, when you used to see, you know, the old school magazines and the old school media. And 
I just, you know, I started changing how I thought about myself on the inside in order to change how I was on the outside. It wasn't really so much diet. It wasn't really medication or any special thing except learning to love who I was on the inside. And so I dropped down in eight months to a size small, and I started just really wanting people to living, you know, living happy with being themselves, no matter what size they were, but I had to get seen in order to be able to tell them. So I liked myself no matter what stage I was at, but I just wanted to show people that you can get to where you want to go. Um, You don't even have to, I'm trying actually to speak out about things um, because I believe that everybody's beautiful. I mean, if an art gallery had all these different paintings in it, but they were, if they were all the same, it would be a very boring gallery. And I just think that, you know, people need to start seeing themselves for who they are instead of what they're seeing with their eyes and loving themselves for that. And so my biggest challenge was, um, you know, dropping the weight, learning to use my mentality to do so, um, getting off my own tushy and not being my own block, my own roadblock, because a lot of the biggest things that hold people back are not trying because we believe that we can't do some things. And so a lot of times we won't take that first step. And I just kind of went out there and tried and things just kept coming my way. And I just kept going with it, you know, because there's no use of being afraid to fail because without trying, you've already set yourself up to fail anyways. So I had to change my mentality on that. That is very inspiring. I've I overcome that. a lot that of things in my life. I'm also, yeah, I've got um, I've got diabetes type two, fibromyalgia, Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, which is a ligament disorder that causes pain. And I was in a coma for three weeks. I had to overcome all those things. I used to have to use a walker and a wheelchair, and um, I almost wanted to give up for the first time in my entire life. And that's when I had gone to the hospital because I was having severe pain in my spine and it had gotten, I'm a very strong person um, inside, but it was so bad. I almost didn't want to live anymore. And when I went there, that's when I saw what happened to this woman. And um, it was during COVID and everyone was basically acting like she didn't exist. She was crying out in pain. Nobody was coming to help her. And they were just treating her differently because of her outsides. And I couldn't help it. After a while, I started crying. I ran over to her. I held her hand. And I was like, lady, I don't know you, but, and I can't take away your pain, but I'm here. And so I was holding her hand. And uh, she ended up passing out. And I was calling for help. It took them a while for them to come to her. But they were not treating her right. They were smacking her in the legs. And she was falling out of the wheelchair. And they weren't trying to help her back up. And they were just kind of like, hey, get up, you know, just being rude. And uh, she did come to, they wheeled her away, but she started screaming again when she came to, and they just wheeled her right back in. But nobody would even look at this woman. And I just, I was like, what is happening in this world? You know, we're, we're not really even treating each other like human beings anymore. And I just got sick of it. And I got sick of watching things like this just happening out there in the world. And I just couldn't be quiet anymore. The first thing I did, I started a, um, I tried to speak out. I started a group called The Call to Caring on Facebook. Um, originally, it was to post things about coming together, um, random acts of kindness ideas and caring, because what stranger out there actually thinks that another person that they don't know is going to randomly come up and do something nice for them? I found that doing things like that, it's those people that it has the biggest impact on, but not just those people. If anybody actually sees that happening, it has an impact on them too. And then they want to start doing something. They're like, I wish I could do something like that. And then I say, well, you can. And you can come with me if you'd like to, or you can do it on your own. But 
you know, people that we know, they expect things like that if they know us. Um, people that we don't, it's not like that out there in the world. So that's what I like to do to try to do my part. I believe that everybody's got their words and they've got their actions, and that's what we should use. That's awesome. Dark Ring is our guest here on 89.1 Ken's FM. And, uh, well, we got uh, plenty of time here. Uh, I'm going to pass it on to Matthias here in just a little bit. Uh, well, I'll tell you what, Matthias, I'll let you ask your, your questions here, and then uh, when it uh, we got to play the legal stuff, I'll let you know, and then you can come back and continue. Sound good? Mm-hmm. All right. All right, cool. Now, uh, and then uh, after uh, Matthias does his question, then uh, we're going to come back to me, then uh, I think you got uh, some beef with our producer. We'll, we'll talk about that later. That'll be fun. I uh, just wanted you to keep it PG, please, and uh, we'll talk uh. a little bit about that. Uh, and then I also want to talk about the movie that you and I are involved in, uh, Friday the 13th, mm-hmm. Blood and Loss. We'll talk a little bit about that. So Matthias, the modern nightmare, he is our horror film guru. What do you got for our guest? Go ahead. Well, yes, you are talking to the man from every woman's greatest dream and every man's worst nightmare, North Dakota's number one heel, current reigning, defending, undisputed NSC World Tag Team Champion, and soon again to be APW World Heavyweight Champion, BZW Champion, EWI Epic Champion, BZW World Tag Team Champion, and soon to be also Midwest All-Star Wrestling World Heavyweight Champion. As been paid for by the New World Order. (laughs) <laughs> and honorary member of the New World Order, the modern nightmare, Matthias. Yes, welcome on to my part of the program. I should say he's our producer, but he's not. But, yes, Icon <laughs> did mention I am a big horror film fan. That is my absolute favorite genre of film, so it's always nice to talk to people who are also fans of horror films. So i got to ask, first off, what is your favorite sub-genre of horror? For me personally, I love the I love the evolution ever-loving heck out of slasher films? Well, for me, my favorite, I would have to say, would be, like, uh, I don't know exactly what you would call it, but, like, the psychological type of horror thrillers, like the ghost stories and supernatural type things. Okay. Well, he would know that. It's called his career. (laughs) Sorry. Anyway, uh, pardon the uh, very rude interruption of Icon. Um, I, per se... (laughs) I've not really been the the biggest uh, the I have not really been the biggest fan of psychological thrillers only because they weren't my first ever horror film I got to watch. I got so built up on slashers that I don't think anything can really top those for me. I mean, of course, I love the the George A. Romero zombie films, and and oh, there comes those. every once in a while like like even Chucky you could consider to be somewhat supernatural because of the the whole soul transfer and stuff. But mm-hmm. other than that. Flashers for me are the top notch because, of course, you got to have. My first ever horror film I ever seen was Scream, uh, from Wes Craven, one of the best directors in my opinion in horror film history. And Ghostface was always my my killer in the film per se. Um, but you also got Jason, Freddy, Michael, Leatherface, all those good guys uh, from back in the day, back in the back in the uh, years. But I always ask this from horror film people, and I always like to see how they would respond to this. Is there any horror film franchise that you have seen or you've watched or you've taken a liking to that you think should have already died off before they could, before they quit while they were ahead, literally ahead, or they were, 
uh, should have died off before they continued. Is there any uh, series that you would label as that? Hey, man, before you answer that, we got to play this real quick. Jonas <laughs> 89.1 Ken's FM, KNNZFM, Holly, Fargo, Moorhead. Independent public radio for Fargo, Moorhead, and the Valley. Also on the web at www.kensfm.com. All right, now you can answer the question. Go ahead, thank you. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm just an I'm an all-around horror fan, and I really can't think of one that I wish would have died off because even if even if something wasn't as pleasant at the end um, as it started out, I still enjoyed watching them. I still enjoyed following them. Um, and honestly, one of the first well, not the first horror movies. I mean, I loved the the, the you know Living Dead movies and Night of the Living Dead and um, the Freddy movies and all that, but I can't think of one that I would just, you know, would have rather died off. <laughs> okay, that that is honestly a um, a different answer than I normally get because, of course, because people around me, there are some horror fans that say that they've got actually a lot of series. I think I've heard a guy one time say he had like five or six of them that could have ended already before they uh, continue. For, for me personally, uh, there is no Freddy Krueger without Robert England, uh, God rest his mm-hmm. soul. So... I would have. I would never watch uh, the 2010 remake of uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. I would never watch that because Freddy Krueger is not uh, played by Robert England. Um, mm-hmm. The Friday the 13th series has, you know, done different things. So I could say they perceived really well. The 2009 remake was, you know, just a typical, in my opinion. They made Jason a lot more. Um, a lot more physical, a lot more he runs instead of just teleports and stuff, so kudos on them for there. Um, but Halloween, honestly, with all of its timelines built up, whether it was the Laurie Strode or it was the or was Michael chasing his niece or going into H two O and resurrection and stuff, honestly there there was a horror film and, and I and people always some people sometimes give me guff for this, but I do not like Halloween Ends, the most recent one mm-hmm. that came out, I absolutely cannot stand it because for me as a wrestler, and I always compare it to this, when, when, you're, when you're in wrestling and you're watching a program develop and a storyline, you always want to see the big match. You always want to see the big matchup be the biggest one and then it's done forever mm-hmm. or they move on or whatever the case. You had Michael Myers going against Laurie Strode 40 years after the original, and all it was was a two-minute quick fight, and Michael dies. And it just made yeah. Michael look weak, and it, it just it just made everything look pathetic. And it was kind of, I mean, granted, yeah. Michael finally got killed off, but the whole, oh, I got this new kid that's taking over as Michael Myers, and then he gets killed right before they battle. It's just, it just didn't make sense. And... All these horror films, all these people that are, like, going off the, the namesake, for instance, Scream or Halloween or Friday the 13th or whatever, a lot of people will see them as cash grabs, whereas no mm-hmm. matter what, I'm still going to go see them. For, for instance, with Scream films, uh, they had four mm-hmm. in 2011, and now it went all the way up to 2022 before they had the next mm-hmm. one. And then I went and saw that one, and I could say I liked it. And then they had Scream 6 earlier this year, which, of course, I wouldn't seen because, you know, it's the next Scream. Um, mm-hmm. But is there, is like like you said, you would follow, is there any horror movie, like, for instance, like the new uh, Conjure or the, 
the Red Door or Evil Dead or anything like that? Was was there any of those that you thought mm, maybe I wouldn't go see because you liked how the originals worked or anything like that, or or would you still stick with all of them? Well, I mean, if I like something, if and it says that name, I'm going to give it a shot. I actually liked the Evil Dead movie. I did see that. I thought it was actually quite creepy. Um, but, you know, I just I like to give things a chance to see how it goes, you know, because one of them might yeah. suck and then another one might be better afterwards. It depends, you know, because sometimes it's different people that will go and make something, you know. Exactly. It's, it's, all, it's, how they, it's how they portray it and stuff like that, like I said earlier. Um, now, my mm-hmm. next question to you would be, is there a movie that you can watch now being who you are, how old you are, whatever namesake, whatever the case, that would still get to you, would either make you jump or either creep you out or would either, you know, scare you just a little bit to get you to jump? Is there a film out there still for you that does that? Hmm. I'm not very easily scared. <laughs> I went through a lot of things in my lifetime that were already scary. So, I mean, I like to, that's why I said my favorite is more like the, the um, supernatural ghost thrillers because it's something that isn't actually, you know, um, experienced often in the world. If it is, uh, I don't know. But, I mean, obviously there's paranormal things and stuff that people talk about. But um, to me, those are the most scary is, is what is the most unknown. Um, I... I would say maybe the exorcism. Okay. That, that is actually a common answer uh, amongst fans. Um, now, is there a film out there? Like, and I, I agree with you. I, I don't get scared easily by horror films. I could see things coming, that kind of stuff, because I've been such a fan for years. Um, but mm-hmm. is, there, is there, and you said exorcism, is there a moment in a film that no matter what, like a like a kill scene or any specific moment that no matter, like even if you're watching The Exorcist and you're like, oh my gosh, this ain't going to scare me or whatever, but then that one part comes on that always gets you. Is there a part of a movie like that that always gets you? To be honest with you, it's, 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 a, it's a culmination of things, you know, because it's got to be like a zoom in with a jump scare and then the music at the same time or like, you know, okay. it's it's not necessarily, it, yeah, it's definitely building the mood with everything involved. The music can really just, if it's really quiet, and then all of a sudden, boom, and they get that loud music and something right in your face, that's, that always does it, no matter what movie. Absolutely. Because um, my answer always is, uh, I don't, like I said, I don't get scared by horror films easily, but there is one scene in the movie Hatchet. Now, I don't know if you're familiar with those series or not, the Hatchet films. No. No, I didn't see that okay. when I heard of it, though. Okay, so Kane Hodder, uh, by far one of my favorite Jason actors, he plays the main killer called Victor Crowley. And in the original, mm-hmm. and the one thing I will give the Hatchet series uh, credit for is they don't have a lot of kills in them. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't, but they are always creative and different per victim. So I will give it that mm-hmm. with the creativity. But anyway, so in the first, the first film, it's the second kill scene. And what happens is Victor Crowley gets shown, and this older couple starts running, tries to run away from him. He catches up to him, and he beats down, and he chops up the old man. But then when he catches up to the old woman, he sticks his hands in her mouth, and he tears her head basically in half, like from the jawline. So he breaks oh, wow. her jaw. 
Yeah, and 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 it won't it will never scare me. It'll never gross me out. But I've also but I've had lockjaw where I open my mouth too wide, my jaw gets stuck, and you can feel your cheeks yeah. like at their breaking point, and you see slowly like the effect of the skin slowly ripping before he just tears it in half. That will always make me cringe because you can feel it. You can just feel it when you have the lockjaw, and that happens. Just yeah, no. Oh yeah, especially since you said you've experienced lockjaw before, so you 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 relate it to something that you felt, and then you yeah, I can see how that would happen. Yeah, it's that's the one thing with horror films I got to say that just tops every like I mean I love comedy films, I love all those kind of films, but horror will always match up to me because like I said, it always it was just Scream's been my favorite horror film of all time, the mystery who done it and stuff like that. So I just I can never I don't think I'll ever get to the point where any genre of film will top horror for me honestly and the one is there a and my last question you before well, actually there is one though is there any pay-per-view uh written by vince russo yeah i get well we'll talk about that in a moment with wrestling <laughs> but my very last question you is there a horror film out there that's coming out in the future or that you've been following that you're excited to go see well, to be honest with you, I've been working a lot lately, and the the one that I had wanted to see, I finally saw, and that was definitely the Evil Dead new movie. So um, I've been working a lot, so I haven't got to see what new releases are coming out lately. But definitely, I would say, uh, <laughs> let's say Friday the 13th Blood Loss. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're definitely going to talk about that. Cause, uh, my favorite, definitely, my, I'll answer this really quick. My, my, the film I'm looking forward to seeing, I believe it comes out, in September, I think it's September 19th, is Saw X. I am so excited to see how they go back in time uh, to where John first gets introduced to his cancer and stuff and how he introduces mm-hmm. his most personal game. I'm so excited for that. Yeah, I liked the Saw movies. I, I couldn't go in very far. That, those were the ones that really got me. You know, once it started to get even more, like, chest being ripped open and all that stuff with the, the rib cage and everything, I was like, okay. <laughs> I, I love the, the movies, huh? Yeah, and the, the one the one good thing about the Saw films is if you could put away the gore and you can you know deal with it and you could push aside it, the the overlying story from the first seven films is just unbelievable. And now mm-hmm. they're going back in time with the X, and I'm just I'm so excited to see it coming out. Also, Maxine from the A24 series, I'm excited to see that one as well. But Icon, I know I've taken a lot of your time. I know you want to get. I know you want to get back being the host, so I'll let you take over. Well, I I do appreciate it, and uh, we have uh, Dark Rain as our guest here on eighty nine point one Ken's FM. And uh, for those of you who go to our Facebook page, as you air Monday live Monday like that, go to eighty nine point one Ken's FM page like that. Do a ten dollar month donation, follow the tower. We'll get you automatically qualified to win a autograph picture from past guest, current guest, or future guest. And I'm thinking that. Miss Rain might be willing to send us a few autographs for giveaways, if I'm not mistaken. Of course. Awesome. I so now let's that. talk yep. a little bit about uh, the movie that you and I are going to be in together, Friday the 13th, Blood Loss. Uh, let's talk about how you got involved in that one. Well, uh, for that one, I was actually just, you know, started out supporting it because I'm a big, I'm a big team player when it comes to the industry. I'm already um, doing something for uh, a horror sci-fi apocalyptic series called Necroland, and I'm working for Vengeance for Dracula and all this other stuff. And I was just like, well, you know, I see these people. They're coming out with this movie. They're doing things that I have not seen other movies doing, and they were doing um, these perks and everything. And so. 
I got really interested and started watching and they were so giving and so inclusive with everybody watching, you know, with the people that were, um, you know, getting involved in it, that you could actually get involved in things. And at first I was just, um, just trying to help out. I was, I adopted a camper and I was like, you know what, that to me, that was another form of random act of kindness I could do. And then um, I ended up, you know, there was a option where you can actually be in the movie. Now I'm working on other things here, so I couldn't go over to that location. And so um, I'm doing one of those things where I get to actually film something here and have it contributed to the movie. You know, I'll tell you what, the other, the other cool thing about that is, you know, Anthony is just a awesome, awesome guy, and he's fun to work, he's going to be fun to work for. Uh, have you done anything with Anthony before? No, I haven't worked with Anthony before. I'm in Michigan, and um, they're in a different location, but through the circles of, you know, everybody in the film industry over here, we kind of just network all over the place, and it, we just ended up meeting that way through Facebook and everything. And what what is your favorite thing, though, about being involved in these different kind of movies, whether it be a horror film or an action film or any other type of film? Just Is it just being part of it or being cast in it? What is your favorite part about being involved in different projects? Well, my favorite part to be I love the action parts um where the the other some of the other things in right now I mean I just got tackled by a killer clown yesterday for things I was working on and that was a lot of fun it, I had to get tackled a lot but it was a lot of fun um I I just I love the action I love um challenging myself um I like I'm kind of a tomboy so I like to climb things and I like to I grew up you know my brothers were always watching wrestling and I grew up mostly around my brothers, and so I'm just really into um, getting in on the action, you know, and um, I've always loved horror movies, and so when it came to the horror genre, and when I started out and I was doing, you know, the punk and then even the horror modeling, I was just like, oh, yeah, I'm all in, you know. It was just the type of, I figured if I was going to act in things, it was definitely going to be horror, if I could, to start out with all those things, and um, I'm, I've been having a blast working on the things I've already been working on, and especially, you know, in Neckland, it's been really fun, and I'm just excited about all of it. I, I just can't wait, and I'm I'm really having a, a great time doing all the things I'm working on now. we got about uh, two minutes here with uh, Dark Rain, so we don't forget this. If our fans want to check you out and see if you got a Facebook, an Instagram, YouTube, a Twitter, a Twitch, a TikTok, what do you got? Um, I'm, okay, so it's a long name on Facebook. I still have my um my old name on there for people that I went to school with, but it's under Amanda Simmons Rybars on Facebook. You will see Dark Rain in parentheses. On TikTok, it's D-A-R-Q-U-E dot R-A-Y-N-E, and it is the same on, I said TikTok, on YouTube and um, Instagram. And uh, we, we only have about uh, 60 seconds. I know you wanted to do this, but uh, uh, do you think you'll ever forgive our producer? <laughs> yeah, he was making me laugh. At first, I was confused because he made that one advertisement that said behind bars, and I'm like, wait a minute, I'm a good chick. What I do? <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I was a little confused, and I realized, yes, he's just teasing me about my last name. But see, I don't know his last name, so it's kind of hard for me to teach him. Well, you know, a lot of uh, people don't know. I know Granny doesn't know, and Matthias doesn't know, but I know that we actually have a producer. And a producer works hard doing all the stuff, uh, setting up the stuff for the Facebook page. And uh, I know, Granny, <laughs> uh, you can chime in here real quick. Uh, a producer doesn't know how to spell Michael either. 
<laughs> you know, I would tease him about that, but you know what? I've made that same mistake. Um, my boyfriend's name is Michael, and uh, I used to do that wrong all the freaking time. So as much as I'd like to tease him, yeah, I've done the same thing. <laughs> Well, well, I know how you tease him. If he does, if he forgets your anniversary, what is it for dinner? Fish sticks. Dark Lady is our guest here. We got about uh, thirty seconds here with uh, Miss Rain. I'll tell you what. I do want to thank you for taking time out of your schedule. You have been most wonderful, and hopefully, you haven't scared you away too much. We'd love to have you back on again if you'd be one to uh, take some more time out of your schedule to join us later on. Well, sure, anytime. Awesome. I'll tell you what, thank you, uh, Miss Rain. You are so awesome, and we will definitely have you on again. Have a great night. Thank you. You have a wonderful night. All right, that was Dark Rain. Now, Matthias, I know that you like, I know that you love uh, when we have horror film guests on, don't you? Well, like I, like, uh, like I always say, I love uh, being able to talk to somebody about something I'm familiar with. So when it comes to horror films or wrestling or whatever the case may be, it's always a pleasure meeting him to talk to somebody about uh, something that I'm really uh, loving. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, we got a we got a big author coming up. This guy has wrote more books than uh, you can imagine. He probably needs to have a wrist replacement at some point. We'll talk to him a little bit, but we got to take a quick little time out, a little commercial break, if you will, and we'll be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, the new clocks are here. The new clocks are here. Yes, for a limited time, you can get your very own 89.1 Ken's FM clock. For a $25 donation, you can get a classic analog round-faced clock with the 89.1 Ken's FM logo on the front. Just go to our website, www.kensfm.com, and under the More Merch tab, you will find the clocks along with numerous other new merch you can order. Get yours now while supplies last. We have these in limited quantity, so order now at www.kensfm.com. Ladies and gentlemen, stepping out of the green room and walking down the aisle. Like I said, this man has written more books than you can imagine, and he's going to talk to us about a lot of them. And he is an awesome dude himself. He is Riano McFarlane. Hey, this is the author, Riano D. McFarlane. You're listening to the Attitude Era Monday, live Monday on 89.1 Ken's FM with your host, the icon, the godmother of wrestling, Granny Holster, the modern nightmare, Matthias, and the big swing. All right, so how are you, Riano? Good to have you with us. Oh, it's great to be here. I love talking about my books, and I like touching people with them, you know? And how many times has anybody called you Rhino? Oh, often, often. But, you know, it doesn't matter what they call me as long as they call me. <laughs> right. I, I, used to, uh, I used to tell everybody how, uh, you know, I tried to get a date for prom. I asked 12 girls out, 13 turned me down because one, one gal came up to me and said, don't even think about asking me. But anyway, that's a story for another time. That's my therapy session. But anyway, uh, we have Riano as our guest here. And now I'm going to ask you a few... I'm going to ask you a few questions, then we'll do a roundtable, and we'll come back to me and we'll ask you the tougher ones. But first off, we want you to do a little uh, background about yourself, so go ahead. Well, I was um, born in Germany. My dad was a military man, so, you know, when you grow up that way, you kind of want to be something like your dad. So I joined the military myself, went back overseas and served there for nine years, 
then got out and became a recording artist in Europe. After that, I was kind of hooked on the entertainment thing. I just loved it and decided I wanted to come home. But, hey, where better to live than Las Vegas, right? So I moved to Las right. Vegas in 2000, been here since that time, and I have not regretted a single minute of it. And uh, just before the pandemic, I started writing. And since that time, I've written 27 and three-quarter novels. <laughs> well, now, when you say uh, three-quarters, uh, it actually sounds like uh, you were ranked by Dave Meltzer, uh, three and three-quarter stars. Uh, is, is it just that it's not completed yet, or um, are you, have you started working on that book that you're going to write about me? Well, hey, you know, you might be in this one because my heroine in this book is looking for someone to give this specific gift, and we haven't found it yet. So you might be the one in the running. Well, I guarantee you, if you want to sell over a million copies and be a New York Times bestseller, have me mentioned in the book as a character, whether I get uh, uh, booted off or whatever right away, or if I'm uh, in there for a period of time, I guarantee you it will be a New York Times bestseller because you'll have the icon link to it. And uh, uh, even though uh, sometimes Matthias has a bigger ego than I do, you'll hear that in a little while, uh, I think it would be perfect. Well, hey, I tell you what, I've, I'm always open to new characters. And hey, you know, Scott was always uh, is not a bad name for a strong character in the novel, right? Right. So we have uh, Rihanna McFarland as a guest here, and uh, we're on 89.1 Kansas FM. We've got 35 minutes here left with Rihanna. Uh, I'm going to ask you, uh, I'm gonna, we're going to mention a few of your book titles, and then uh, we'll go to Granny. She, uh, I know that uh, she loves to read when she's not uh, whacking uh, wrestlers. Um, uh, ringside with her cane, but uh, uh, we, uh, some of my favorite books of yours that I've read, uh, Jake's Dragon, I love that. Uh, probably uh-huh. one of my favorites uh, because I'm a fix-it guy in uh, Ken's FM. He's the greatest engineer ever. Uh, I fix Broken Things is another favorite of ours. Uh, the Curse oh, wow. of Mystic Lake. And uh, probably one of my favorites, and I, I'll tell you what, and I'm not just saying this because it's you. But I started reading the book, and I could not put it down, The Artifact. And I'm going to ask you a little more about that in a little bit. Uh, but, Granny, what do you have for our guest? Go ahead. Uh, he's not a heel. He is a good guy because he writes books, so go ahead. Well, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to have you on. So you, what is your favorite type of book to write your your one of your most favorite storylines is it like mystery drama suspense i mean what's your favorite storyline you like to do well, well you just talked about the book about me yet <laughs> well that's the mystery Icon, you know yeah yeah that would be a mystery for sure <laughs> but when you read my books, what you do, you'll find a little bit of all of that in all of them. Because oh, wow. my whole, my whole um, writing style is to suck the reader into it, to feel like the story is happening around them. So they feel like they're part of it. And it doesn't take That's very awesome. long. Um, you know, um, he was talking about I Fixed Broken Things. That story, it grabs you so quickly because you have no idea what this Malcolm guy is about. And you keep flipping pages because you want to know. But, you know, there's wow. mystery, there's drama, there's romance, there's just action 
but there's always a very strong character, and that character is a good guy, but not one of these, like, pansy good guys, you know? (laughs) He's the good guy that is the subdued good guy, but he's just inherently good, undeniably good. And I love characters like that. You mentioned a pansy good guy. It sounds like you were talking about uh, Sylvester J. Fox. <laughs> why would I do? Why would I do that? Well, ask Rick. <laughs> <the way> I... <laughs> See, I think everyone has a role, you know, and I believe that we all need all of those roles in life to make us better people. But sometimes we just need to be reminded that there are good people out there because the world is too quick to remind us of the bad guys. So I like to highlight the good guys, but not in a corny way. You know what I mean? See, that's why Granny would love your books, because you talk about the good guys. She does not like the bad guys. Now, Granny, weren't you going to ask if he was going to write a book about uh, your favorite uh, your favorite football team? Touchdown Raiders! Okay. <laughs> Big Swing, you know better than to play that off, ungodly, awful sound. I hate the Raiders. I've always hated the Raiders, even before they came to Las Vegas. I don't like them, and you know that, so don't play that sound. I'm sorry if you're offended. You know, I will but tell you I, something. I will tell you something, and this is the God's honest truth. I didn't like the Raiders until I was out walking my dog, in the park, and he saw these guys out playing. You know, they were, they were practicing in the, in the open park. It was just off-season. And my dog bolted across the, the grass, jumped into this one guy's lap. And I'm like, oh, my God. So I go over there and grab my dog, and he hands the dog to me. He says, this is the cutest thing ever. And I didn't know who it was. And then when I walked back over to my friends, they said, did you know that that was Derek Carr? And I'm like, who's Derek Carr? (laughs) He's the quarterback of the Raiders. I'm like, oh, okay, well, I guess I like the Raiders now. Well, (laughs) Well, that's awesome. I'm a a Kansas City Chiefs fan, just so you know. And when you're a Chiefs fan, you can't like the Raiders. I mean, that's just a given. we, We all have our issues, so I forgive you. Uh, uh, Rihanna McFarland's our guest here on 89.1 Kids FM. we got uh, 29 minutes here with our man here. Now, I want to introduce you to our next guest, uh, our, our next guest, our, our other co-host. Uh, it's the modern nightmare Matthias. Now, I know, uh, uh, Rihanna, we were talking about how you don't like guys uh, that have egos. And uh, I'm sure uh, after you hear uh, Matthias, the modern nightmare here, I'm sure you're going to warm up to him because he doesn't have an ego. He'll tell you himself. Uh, But uh, go ahead, uh, Nightmare. What do you have? Well, yes. As been paid for by the New World Order. (laughs) Well, yes, you are talking to the man from every woman's greatest dream and every man's worst nightmare, North Dakota's number one heel, current reigning, defending, undisputed NSC World Tag Team Champion, and soon to be. BZW World Tag Team Champion, APW World Heavyweight Champion, BZW Champion, and EWI Epic Champion, and Ma- er, an honorary member of the New World Order. Oh, my God. Who the, the hell cares? 
<laughs> Thanks, Icon. Um, anyway, that was um, Yeah, you always say that, but I know it's you. Anyway, let's let's continue on without the rude interruptions here, because I'm getting really sick of it. Um, so anyway, my part or my question to you on this part of the program would be, <clears throat> what do you find to be one of the hardest parts of writing a book? Like, is it your ideas that you come up with, like coming up with an idea, or is it the actual writing process. What what do you see your, yourself struggling most when it comes to writing an entire book? Writing the books for me is, I want to say, the easy part. The reason I say that is because while I'm writing one book, ideas are like pounding me in the brain for the next one already. So it's I never run out of ideas. The problem is trying to convert those ideas into words that people will understand and feel in the way that, I, that I'm trying to present them. So mm. I might work on a sentence for 30 minutes because it needs to say exactly what it needs to to make you feel exactly what I'm seeing. That is by far the hardest part of writing. Fair enough. Uh, Rihanna McFarland is our guest here on 89.1 Kids FM. There, there is one thing I do want to ask you about some of your other books, and then we'll uh, talk about uh, a few others uh, that uh, that, we, that you want to pitch and talk about. But uh, Jake's Dragon, that's like uh, you've had like six in that series. Uh, is there any more coming? Well, the, the seventh one is in there now, too. It's called uh, The Crucible. And it is also, you know, you've read Jake's Dragon. The series, it surprises you because you believe it's going to be a a kid's book about dragons. And then you get into it and you realize, oh, my God, this book is about all of us. And the dragon is more a metaphor for our higher angel because he brings out the good in Jake. And because of that, Jake becomes a better person because he's got the knowledge and the the experience of this 100-year-old dragon to guide him through some of the difficulties in life. And I think that sometimes we need that dragon and our higher angels to speak to us so that we can navigate that narrow path through life sometimes. Well, you know, I haven't read Part 7 yet, but my favorite in the series, and I'm going to – well, I'm sure you like them all – but my favorite is The Rise of the King. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> I, won't, I won't dispute that at all. I don't know what it is about your books, Liano, uh, but whenever I start reading one of your books, and I'm not just saying this because of you, because this is true, and I, everybody can, you, anybody will tell you, I don't like reading books. I, ju- I just don't, <laughs> unless it's a book on tape where they read it to me. But there's something about your books. It's like you start reading your books, and it's all of your books that I've read of yours that you, you start reading and you just can't put them down. You're just like, okay, uh, I, I'm done with Chapter 3. Let me – no, I want, to, I want to find out what happens next. I cannot ever put your books down. Why do you do that to well, me? So that you won't put them down. You know, the biggest problem that, that I find in a lot of authors is that they have what I call a story lag. And that is like two or three chapters where nothing happens. And it feels like, oh, well, I need 
I need 60,000 words, so I got to keep writing, so I'll just put some stuff in there. Um, with me, I don't like that. I like for one chapter to basically be the, the, the next step in a staircase that you absolutely want to get to the top of. So I make every chapter not really a cliffhanger, but it leaves you there with a door that's slightly ajar with the light on in there, and you're like wondering, I wonder what's behind that door. So you keep reading, not knowing that at the end of that chapter there's another door that's just a little bit open. And what happens is the next thing you know, it's 4 in the morning, and you're reading the end, and you're like, what happened to my day? But those are the books you remember because there's no wasted, there's no wasted reading. You know what I mean? There's no... Moment exactly. where you're thinking, well, this chapter didn't need to be. <laughs> well, you know, and you, you know, you talk about two or three chapters that don't really mean anything. Uh, that sounds like my twenties, and uh, that sounds like my twenties and thirties. <laughs> <laughs> well, you should have been, I guess, uh, more along the lines of a Matthias, you know, because it sounds like right. he's got nothing wasted in his entire life. Now, now, hey, Matthias. Now you can, uh, you can, uh, you can punch in. Now you can chime in here. That was a compliment to you. How many guests have complimented you on this show? Well, you know, after they, that that's uh, that's a question I'd have to really think about. I mean, it's been about almost every guest we've ever had, and I like burnt toast. <laughs> no. <laughs> Uh, uh, now let's get back here. Uh, we're, we're, we're kind of getting off track here. Uh, Rihanna McFarland's our guest here, and uh, we, we still have plenty of time. We got about uh, 22 minutes uh, to fill here. Now I want to ask you, Rihanna, what was your first book? And I know you mentioned that your most recent book is uh, Part Seven in the Dragon series. What was your the first book you ever did? And did you think after you did Richard Rit? I don't know if that's a word. Uh, after you wrote your first <laughs> book. Did you think it was going to uh, domino effect into all these other ones? I had no idea. It's like, well, my, first, my very first book was called Odin. And Odin was a story about a puppy who a woman rescues from a river who some idiot dropped into a, a stream tied in burlap bag. Yeah, we so can hear him in the background. Well, those are my two little Odins, yeah. But the thing okay. is, this this story was my first story, but it had been in my head for years. It had been in my head at least, I would give it five years. And then I started writing it, and it just flowed so easily. And at the end of it, I was just sad that the process was done. So I started another one. And while I was waiting for Odin to be published, it was taking so long I was thinking I could write another one. So before Odin was even finished, I, well, before Odin was published, I started working on Jake's Dragon. And that story fascinated me so much that I just, I never wanted that story to end. So I wrote Jake's Dragon 2 and 3 and 4 and 5 and 6 and 7. And the story itself, it never got boring because each, each story, each book, is a completely different story, but it builds on the other stories, and which is why I really love The Rise of the King. Well, correct me if I'm wrong. I think you've got uh, 30 books out currently, right? Or do or uh, you have a few more? <laughs> I've got 20, 
28. Out. 28. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm working, well, <laughs> I'm, work, well, I'm working on getting them all converted to Audible right now. So that's my major project at the moment. Now, are you going to voice them? No, I don't because I feel that there are people who have specific talents for certain things. And after I've written the book, it's hard for me to read it. Well, and a lot of the time because – Who do you want to have – I didn't mean to interrupt you. I'm sorry. That was rude. But who do you really want to have voice your books? I, I know I, I could name a few that would be perfect for, like, the dragon stories and, uh, like, Odin. Like, if you could get James Earl Jones to do uh, Solo, that would be really, really awesome. If you could do Morgan Freeman to do some of the dragon stories, that would be, like, just awesome or uh, – how does that work of selecting a voice and who you want to read them? I would like to read more of them for you. Didn't do so. What I what I did is I I couldn't decide, so I went to Audible, and Audible has this wonderful audition process. You can put your books up, put a little audition text. People can read about the book, and then they can submit their audition to audition for reading it as a audio book. And I was shocked. I've got some really, really great actors from New York and New Jersey who've read my books. Um, specifically, A Worthy Custodian was read by an actress in L.A., and currently the book 21 Boxes is being done by an actor from New Jersey. And they love the story. They're like, they're, they're like you. I can't stop when I start them. So they love the books, and they put that, that emotion into them. So I'm loving the process. But, I mean, I don't think that uh, someone like <laughs> James Earl Jones would come out of retirement just to read my book, you know. Well, you know, I'll tell you, if, uh, if I ever – if we could ever hook that up, there's one, there's, there's one of two books that I would love to read for you. And I'm, I'm sure that, it, you know, you know I, I know I'm asking for a job like I do every single guest that comes on the show. <laughs> but uh, if, I, if I could, I would, I would love to read the book Famous for you in audio form or the journal. Those were two awesome, amazing stories. You know what? Hold those thoughts, and I'll tell you why. The new book that I'm doing right now is called Lisa, A Life Form in Suspended Animation. This story combines the best of almost everything I've ever written. And the story is so complex, but so it's, it's very, very touching. But it's a book that I'm sure you will love, and I'll make sure I send you a copy of it, because once you read it, you'll think, oh, I'm glad that I didn't do the others because this is the one. Well, hey, I'll tell you what, that's, that's a deal. I will, I will definitely do that. Now, when you, uh, when you do auditions uh, now, and then they, they send in their audition tape, do you, uh, do you have them, like, do they read, like, a chapter, or do they read, like, a couple uh, excerpts? It's kind of like a, like a ten-part question, but do you have them read, like, a chapter, a couple excerpts, and then do you look for voice, infliction, personality? What, what, what is the main thing that you look for when you select who's going to read what? Well, when I, when I had the, the guy that did Oliver and Mia, the guy has a voice that sounds like a mix between Willie Nelson, Wilford Brimley, and Sam Elliott. And to tell a wow. Western story, that voice is just, I heard it, it sent shivers down my spine, and I hired him. 
and he did uh, Oliver and Mia, then he did The Making of Marshall Blackstone, and then he also did Marshall Blackstone 3, Deadly Shadows. So his voice was just perfect for those books. You know, you know, another good one, of course, he's fast now, so it would never happen, but if you have, like, the American Dream, Dusty Rose, baby. Now, I want to tell you about this book, baby. We're going to go to Chapter 1 right now, and, you know, <laughs> you know, he, Dusty Rose would have been perfect to voice a book back in the day with his uh, with the list that he had. It would have been awesome. <laughs> well, you, you ask about the book Famous. That story I had a guy do, he just – Finished it not long ago. Just hit Audible, I think, last month. Did a really fantastic job. But like I said, when I when I put the auditions out, the the first voice that just really hits me in the gut, I just go with it. And so far, I've been right on target. So now it's it's not really that I'm looking for something specific. What I'm looking for is them to convey back to me the feeling that I put into the story. Now, when they when they when someone records one of your books for audio, uh, do they have to go to a studio? Uh, do you send them recording equipment, uh, and then do you say, okay, you have uh, you need to have this done in three weeks? How does that process work? It's really I thought it was going to be very complicated, but with the uh, with Audible.com's audition process. They have people that are just like waiting in line to read good books. And I thought, okay, well, this is going to be cheesy. And then I listened. These people have like uh, talk radio podcasts. They have (laughs) some of them actually do voiceovers for movies. So they have these elaborate setups in their own homes and offices that they use. And they're really state-of-the-art stuff. So I really never have to even question the quality. And then, of course, Audible does the quality control check on everything before they put it live. So the quality is really outstanding, and the readers are just, they're just top-notch. You know, and uh, both Matthias and I, we've done voiceover work, right, Matthias? Yeah, we have. And, uh, uh, by the way, uh, i got to let you know, I I don't want to take away from Rihanna, but uh, the director got back to me. He loved how you read the part. So uh, you are in with Flynn, my man. Excellent. <laughs> I, I was going to say that for the end, but I might as well. I was going to, you know, if I can get us both a job with uh, Rihanna, uh, you know, uh, the icons will do whatever he has to do that. <laughs> now, 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 Rihanna, I'm going to ask you a, a kind of like a difficult question. I'll understand if you don't want to answer this question, but is there been a a story that you wrote and put out, and you're like thinking, this is good, I'm glad I wrote it, but you didn't think it was going to do as well as you thought it was going to? How about we say the first 20 of them, I thought that way, because my stories are very, I want to say they're very um, immersive. And my question to myself was, are people actually going to go down all these rabbit holes with me and enjoy the book where they come out on the other side? So when, the first one I did, uh, Jake's Dragon, it was about – the book was supposed to be about me because I just discovered that I had cancer. And the dog was my dog, Turbo, who was going to help me 
fight this monster, which was supposed to be the dragon. Well, once I started writing, that didn't hold up because the story just developed completely differently. But it became a lot more personal because it was no longer just the, the, these obscure characters anymore. That lake, that cove that I talk about where you found the dragon, when I yeah. was 11 years old, I used to fish there. It really existed. Really? Yeah. I did not know that. I, I was, you know, <laughs> see what, I, can I tell you, I, I didn't mean to interrupt you again, I'm sorry, but it's rude, but as I was reading that in the book, my mind was like going to like a dip, you know, how sometimes your mind just kind of like wanders and like pictures the place. I had mm-hmm. no idea that that was real. Now, let me ask you this. Since it was a real place, do you think it would ruin somebody's experience if they read the book, get a picture of their mind, what the place is, and then actually see the real place and see how much it really is like what they thought it was? I think if you read the book and you picture it in your mind and you go there, you will see exactly what you saw in your mind because the the rock wall, the, the cedars, the, the stony ground, the, the, the meadow, the, the grassy knoll there, the, the trees where the dragon was hiding, all of those things are real. Because when I was there as a kid, I used to go fishing there every morning, and I would watch the sun sparkle on the, on the ripples on the lake, and you know those, those things are all real to me, which is why there's so much detail that feels real, because the details are real. And then do you, have you had the experience of, like, someone coming up to you, uh, like, at a, maybe a book signing or uh, a convention and say that, you know, I read your first book, and then when you, your second one came out, I read that one, and I, you're one of my favorite authors. That, I'm sure that's happened to you. Surprisingly, it has. Uh, I gave a book to uh, a friend of mine, in Tennessee, she gave the book to one of the tellers at a bank that he goes to, <laughs> where he's been for 20 years, and they have a little friendly relationship. So he gave her the book, and then she bought the next one and the next one, and then she started a fan club in Tennessee. So now there's a Jake's Dragon fan club in Tennessee. I had no idea that it was there. They've read every every volume of Jake's Dragon, and they can pronounce the dragon's name. They know as much about Jake's Dragon as I do. And I just think that's a wonderful thing. And let me ask you this. Uh, Have they asked you to come and do a book talk with them? I've done one online. It was uh, during the pandemic. I did a Zoom meeting. And it was really very interesting because it's very fulfilling to understand and see how people take these books to heart. Uh, this woman was 80 years old, and she now firmly believes that dragons must exist. She says there's no other explanation. <laughs> she says if they don't exist, then where did they go? She's just convinced you know, they're really dragons. You know, and the other cool thing, uh, the other cool thing about your book is most of your books are 200 pages or less. So, I mean, it's not like a, 
they're not like a great big novel where you're gonna have to you're gonna have to get a book that's like five thousand pages or two thousand pages or whatever it is, and you're gonna you're gonna be spending like your ne- the next eight months reading the book. That's that's why I love your books because I can sit down, get hooked on it, want to put it down, then I can't put it down. I do put it and pick it right back up. Maybe go grab a uh, – maybe go uh, – now, i got to tell you. You probably don't care, but I'm going to tell you anyway. The best thing about reading your books is having a tall, cold glass of sunny delight in reading your book. There is awesome. nothing better and more relaxing than having sunny delight in reading your books. Perfect. <laughs> because I'm, my I'm books sure are funny and delightful Right, and I'm sure you're wishing Well, geez, can't you have like a glass of Chablis? Well, I don't drink So, but anyway Go ahead You know, my books, you're right they're, they're not so long that you get lost in them But when you're done with them You don't feel like you've read a short story you feel like you've been on a, on, a, on a journey and it's dragged you through the entire night because you couldn't put the book down. And even though the book is done, you're wishing, wow, I wish it had been a little bit longer because you don't want it to end. And that's the way I like to write so that people can look forward to something else because they don't want the story to end. So I always kind of leave it a little bit open so that it might not end. Uh, Rihanna McFarland is our guest here. We've got uh, six minutes left here, so we can do this here. Uh, if you go to our Facebook page, as you are Monday Live Monday, you like that. Go to Ken's FM 89.1 page, like that on Facebook. Do a $10 month donation, Power of the Tower. We'll get you automatically qualified to win an uh, autographed picture from a past guest, future guest, or current guest, or even a book. Uh, uh, Rihanna, I did get the books, and uh, I will be giving those away. However,. Okay. I had to read them first. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> especially the especially the autograph you gave to me. Uh, two icons from Riano, from one uh, from one cool guy to a guy with a giant ego. I love you. I love that autograph. Thank you. <laughs> My memory is a little different, but you know what? Hey, I'm getting old, so. Now, 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 Rihanna, if our fans <laughs> want to check you out, see, you got a Facebook, an Instagram, a YouTube, a Twitter, a Twitch, a TikTok, a Book Talk website. What do you got? They can go to RihannaMcFarland.com. All of my books are there. You can go to Amazon.com and just type in Rihanna D. McFarland, and all of my books will pop up. You can do the same thing at Audible. Um, you can go to Facebook and look up Rihanna the author. Um, or just look up Rihanna McFarlane, and I'll pop up there because I, all I talk about is my books anyway. So, hey, it doesn't matter where you find me. You'll always find me talking about the same thing, whether on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, or anywhere else you find me. You know, and I'll tell you what, though, and I, I do got to ask you this ego question. Uh, did you uh, like that uh, collector's card I made for you about for your appearance tonight with all your books? And I you really the did. I actually I saved that and actually shared it. So, yes, very much so. It was very good. That's awesome. So, now, Rihanna, how many uh, more books do you have uh, 
uh, in the works coming out besides uh, Dragon 7. And would you be let us, uh, let us uh, know how many more uh, in the series that we might be able to look forward to? Because I'm curious. Well, I think – well, I'm not sure with Jake's Dragon. I thought it was going to end at 2, and then it was 3, and then it was 5, and then it was 7. So, uh, you know – a dragon can live a, a thousand years, so who knows? There's a lot more that can be written to that story. Um, Oliver and Mia turn into a five-book series, so there's like Oliver, Blackstone, um, Blackstone 2, 3, 4, 5, all the way up to 6, which will probably be coming out uh, later this year. Um, otherwise, I mean, I've written 20, well, almost 28 books now. The 28th one is, is in the final throes, and... I just will keep writing as long as the ideas keep coming and my muse keeps kissing me. And uh, I also got to uh, congratulate you. May 26th uh, was a big day for you where you were had the number one bestseller on Amazon.com. Congratulations on that. Thank you so Thanks. much. Thank you. That was a wonderful day. And, you know, the cool thing about uh, you, Riano, and I'm not just saying this because you're here, I mean, you are just an awesome storyteller, and I hope, that uh, you never retire. Of course, you know what they say, all good things come to an end, uh, unless you're uh, a great author like yourself. Hopefully you'll be writing into your 90s. Thank you so much. I really, really appreciate that. And I, one thing I do want to ask, we've we got a few minutes here left. What is your favorite thing about writing, other than the fact you get, that you got to be on this show? Well, you know, this is pretty much the high point of my life right now. So, But, you know... Amazon, the number one bestseller on Amazon, came in close second. But what I really like about writing is that my books, they touch everyone. They don't push you into any direction. They let your mind be your mind. They let you see the good without making you take a side. And they leave you with a good feeling. They make you feel like you can do better, and they make you want to be a better person without preaching at you, you know what I mean? I hate it when someone preaches at me, saying you have to do this, you have to do that. But when someone puts out in front of you the possibilities of choosing good or bad or right or wrong or up or down, and you see the consequences of those choices, then you make better choices. And that's all I want to do. I want to show people that we're all human, we're all in this together, and that if we all can concentrate on the good that's in each of us, we can all make it through this thing together. You know, and Rihanna, if I had to, if I had to give a theme song to you, um, it's, it's pretty much self-explanatory, but the theme song to Reading Rainbow would be the best way to describe your books. The theme song to Reading Rainbow? Yeah, take a look. It's in your book, A Reading Rainbow. That's you. Wow, that's awesome. <laughs> well, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you what, Rihanna, you are awesome. We do appreciate you taking time out of your schedule. I know it's very, very late where you're at, so I want to thank you so much. And then uh, I will, uh, I promise I'll stop calling uh, at our hours a day because I know you're, <laughs> you finally want to start writing that book about me. I'm not going to hound you anymore because I know it's coming, but I do love you, man. You're awesome. <laughs> I, will be, I will be chatting with you next couple weeks. I'll, I'll give your phone a, a phone bill a break. Hey, and I'll send you some uh, some links to some free Audible uh, downloads. You can spread those around. Give one to Granny. Give one to Matthias. Give one a big swing. And of course, for you, Icon. Right. Well, of course, my my wife wants one because 
she wants to uh what is her favorite book that she was talking about uh she wants uh as far as i can go she wants uh oh. she wants that one i i love that one and you're going to love the guy who read it i'll make sure that i get that out to you tonight I appreciate it, but thank you so much. You were awesome. Appreciate you taking your time. Thank you for having me. All right. Rihanna McFarland. So, guys, how about another successful show, huh? Our, our two-year anniversary here on uh, Ken's FM. Great day, right, Matthias? Oh, yeah. And uh, Granny? Yep. All right, well, we got about uh, three minutes here before our theme song hits, but, uh, you know, I always do the signature sign-off. Uh, you know, love each other, care for each other, and uh, join us here next week every Monday night on 89.1 Ken's FM, 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. Central Standard Time. We do appreciate all our fans, but to keep us on the air, we want you to go out and support 89.1 Ken's FM. Go to kensfm.com, get information on how to support the station, to keep us on the air, to keep the station going. Uh, everything that uh, Ken does is wonderful, and he needs support. So go out and support him any way you can. Anything helps. And so with that being said, remember, it's not goodbye. It's just good night. We'll see you all next week right here on 89.1 Ken's FM. We'll see you. Then. You think you know me?